Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Here's our theme verse. If you're new, you haven't been here yet, you can catch up all these messages on YouTube. But Proverbs 4 and 7, why are we talking about wisdom in the book of Proverbs? And why are we looking at the master teacher in a master class? Because wisdom is supreme. That's why. Wisdom's at the top of the list. And, th- and then the Bible says, therefore, in light of how supreme it is, go get some. Just go get wisdom. And it may cost you some stuff. Over the last six weeks, you may have realized, man, i got to get rid of some stuff, move some stuff. It may cost me some stuff, but I need wisdom. We've talked about wisdom not being what you know. Wisdom is what you do. I know not to eat Krispy Kreme, but when the, when the hot light's on, come on, everybody. I mean, I just wisdom is knowing how not to pull in. Are you with me on that, everybody? It ain't got nothing to do with what I know. It's what I apply in my life. And when you apply wisdom to your life, and over the last six weeks, I hope that you've got some wisdom to apply in your life. When you apply God's Word, everything in your life gets better. Everything gets better. It's amazing what will happen when this area, when I decide to apply wisdom in this area, other areas start to get better. Where's all my green thumbs at? Where's everybody with garden people? Where's all my, keep your hands up so I know when to get squash, or okra, whatever. I'm just, I feel a I feel a gift prophecy on me today. So anyway, listen, you know this. You know this. If I'll take care of the soil here, it's amazing. I'll, I'll be watering and taking care of this, and the rest of this gets better. Like, it, it just, they'll strengthen the whole line in the flower bed. Are you with me, everybody? When I apply wisdom in one area of my life, every area of my life gets better. So I want to help you today on this last message in an area that, honestly, I think if you'll let the finger of God touch this area in your heart, I think it has the potential of changing the most. Of your life. And I know that sounds big and bold, but let me get there. I want to talk to you today on the topic of unforgiveness. I want to teach you today from God's Word about releasing offense. Whether you agree with this or not, or kind of where we've been the last 18 months, the truth of the matter is this we live in a hyper sensitive, offended culture. We can argue about how and why and when it all. I'll just give you my, I'm sure you have an opinion. Here's mine. I don't know that it's necessarily politics or your candidate or my candidate or this party or that party. I don't even know that it's COVID or it's news or it's all that. I think it's actually bigger than that. I think there's a spirit that's been released in the West, and it's a spirit of offense. But The Bible says it like this. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. If fear can be a spirit... Offense can be a spirit. And I think we live in this culture of if you don't agree with me, if you didn't vote for my guy, if you don't do, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to be bold. Can I be bold for just a moment with y'all? I'm going to do it anyways. It just makes me feel better if you say yes. I have lived this offense. I have lived what this is. The last 18 months I have lived in this culture of I can't believe you posted that, Pastor. And then the next message I get is, I can't believe you didn't post about that, Pastor. A true story. I can't believe you opened up the church when you did at the end of August. How dangerous. You don't care about people. You want people to die. You don't love people. Not y'all, but people in the other service said stuff like that. Next message, 
I can't believe you didn't open up church till August. You, you're just giving in to fear. You probably watch MSNBC, don't you? <laughs> I got some of you on that. You just, I can't believe you're not requiring masks. I can't believe you required masks. I can't believe you didn't say anything about this tragedy. I can't believe you spoke up about that. Are you with me, everybody? Everybody's got a side. Everybody's politics and election and, and, and COVID and, and, and racial tension and everybody. And now, and I'm telling if you, if you thought 2020 was bad, you've seen nothing yet. I'm just telling you, the Bible says the love of many are going to wax cold. It's going to get darker and darker in the world. But by the way, that's why we shine a light brighter and brighter in Jesus' name. It's just going to get worse. But everybody's picking a side. I can't believe you moved the church. Oh. I can't believe, I can't believe you did this and, and hurt and, and, and now there's a fence. And the, the crazy thing about a fence is if you're not offended, there'll be people who'll ask you to sit by them so you can get offended about the stuff that offended them. You aren't even offended by it. You just got, you just got close enough and you didn't wear your mask and they breathed defense on you and you got you some. You know what I'm trying to say there? Proverbs 18, 19. We're in the book of Proverbs. Here's what it says. An offended brother. I want you to read sister there because <laughs> it's both. And I also want you to see that he didn't say an offended sinner. He said an offended brother. Solomon said there's something about church people when they get offended. Boy, they're a different kind of offended. You kind of expect it out of sinners. But when brothers get it, oh, they get it. When a brother is offended is more unyielding. Underline that in your Bible. It means unpenetrable. I can't, you can't break through it. It's unyielding. That has no give to it. It has no flexibility to it. It, oh God, I feel like preaching in this service. I may get wild. It's unyielding. It's more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes, arguments, Facebook arguments, you know that stuff that you, commented on you to have no business comment disputes and arguments and fights around the dinner table about I can't believe you voted for that dummy and I can't all this is your fault and I can't believe we did all of that it's like the barred gates of a citadel Solomon says if you don't listen offense and hurt and unforgiven offense and and problems and pain that you hold on to you will build a wall a castle to defend yourself now here's the problem with that listen unyielding doesn't just mean they can't get to you with their opinion solomon says an offended a hurt a pain an unforgiveness spirit it makes you unyielding where God can't get to it. And the reason why, not, not the complete reason, not the total reason, but a lot of the reason why that COVID shook out nominal Christians is right here. They built a wall around their position and said, I'm not moving past this wall. And God goes, okay, I can't get in there and heal that hurt. I can't get into that heart and heal what's really going on. And I've met Christians and I've met believers, good people, people on their way to heaven. But because of a past hurt or offense, you've built a wall in your life. And not just to protect you from others, but you actually, you, you are unyielding to the only person who can heal what hurt you. 
I tell you this often, but time doesn't. Some people say, well, Pastor, time will heal. You know, just give me some time. I'll be back. No, no, no. Time doesn't heal anything. Time doesn't heal. Time doesn't have the ability to heal. Only the Holy Spirit can heal what's wrong on the inside of you. Listen, but if you build a wall, God is a gentleman. He's not going to knock down the citadel to get into your heart. You've got to yield. And holding on to offense and holding on to unforgiveness brings a wall. And you build bars and gates around your heart in an effort to protect you, in an effort to keep others out. You ultimately block God's healing power and grace in your own life. And now you live in this constant state of anger and fear and this cycle of unforgiveness that turns into bitterness. And now there's negativity in other areas. And the same way wisdom applied will correct other areas of your life, unforgiveness in this area will taint and make toxic other areas of your life. And and you're dealing with a hurt from your mother and you take it out on your wife. And you had, a, you had a father who abandoned you, but you, you have abandonment issues about your husband. I'm getting where you are. And, and, and other areas of your life, now there's toxicity that's, that's linked all the way through. I, I don't mean to make light of this, but when, when a doctor, God forbid, when you hear that, that horrendous word of cancer in your life and there's, there, you know, there's a tumor, the first thing you think of is not the tumor here. The first thing everybody thinks of is where else is it? Right? Has it spread? That's what we always ask. Has it spread? Negativity and bitterness is the same way. It may have happened here, but it has spread and infect everything. And now your spiritual life has this citadel with you. And it's hard for you to understand why I can't hear from God. Why can I not feel God? Why am I not getting direction? Why can I not uh, have peace anymore? Where's joy at in my life? What's going on in my marriage? What's the root issue at my job? It could be an offense. That's unforgiven. And I want to help you through God's word today. To find forgiveness. Where's all my people pleasers at? Where are you at? Raise your hand up. You're easy to spot. Keep your hand up. You're the first one to raise your hand about anything. Me. Me, Pastor. (laughs) Put your hands down. This is not exclusive to you, but it has a lot to do with you. Let me tell you one of the hardest things I had to learn in ministry is that not everybody likes me. Now, people pleasers, that hurts your feelings already. Right now, you're hurt thinking about, you don't mean me. I, I, the, uh, you mean here? And people pleasers are worriers too. You'll start concocting stuff in your mind. Oh, gosh, who's he talking about? I bet it's her. Oh, God, I bet it's her. I, I knew she didn't like me. I, I saw her pass by the other day, and she did give me a fist bump, and I looked her right in the eyes, and she didn't say anything. I know it's her. What did I do? What did I do? I remember that one time a couple weeks ago, I didn't say anything to her, and I, her kid was on the floor, and I didn't. I, maybe I kicked the kid. Did I kick the kid? Oh, my God, what did I do? Are you with me? Truth of the matter is this. Some people just don't like you. Hardest thing I had to come to grips with in ministry is as much as I love and care and preach and pray and cry, some people just don't like me. They're probably not here. They're already gone. But some people just don't like you. Some people are difficult. If you don't know difficult people close to you, look at my eyes. You are the difficult person everybody's thinking about. (laughs) If you don't know a jerk, you're the jerk. 
If you don't, I don't have negative friends. You're right. You're the negative friend. Everybody knows not to tell you anything because you'll gossip and tell everybody. People are difficult. People are hard. And because of that, offense is going to come in your life. It's why Jesus included in the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to repeat the Lord's Prayer every day, but he gave you a guide. To, and he said this. He said, Father, forgive those who have trespassed, sinned against me. He said, when you pray, every time you pray, you're going to have to, God, help me forgive them because you know, because you know, because this happened. Because offense is going to come. Matter of fact, the Bible says it like this in Matthew 24 and 10. And then many, this is, a, if you're looking for a good positive life verse today, here it is. Many will be offended. Many will betray one another. And many will hate one another. God bless you. Have a wonderful time. I mean, this is 2020. If 2021 had a theme verse, here it is, everybody. Many are offended. And many are betraying. And maybe you've walked through betrayal. And maybe you know what it's like to have hatred come to you. And I can't believe you said. And, I, and, and it's real. And that pain is there. And that hurts there. Jesus said it like this in Luke 17. He said to his disciples, it's impossible for you to go through your life and not be offended. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's a, it's an, it's a funny way to say it. He said, it's impossible to live your life and not get hurt. Now, what you do with the hurt is up to you. And what you do with that bitterness and that unforgiveness and that offense that comes into you. The unfortunate part of unforgiveness is not that it destroys the person that's your enemy. The unfortunate part of unforgiveness and bitterness and and offense is that it destroys you. Let me say it better this way. Unforgiveness is the poison that you drink thinking it kills your enemy. It's the thing that you do thinking, I, you, you think I'm punishing them. You're not, I'll, I'll show them. I just won't go to church. Honey, that doesn't help nobody. <laughs> you didn't punish the church. Now you're living disconnected from God and community. I just won't go back to my small group. Okay, well now, now you're disconnecting from people who love. Well, I just won't trust again. I just won't be in a relationship again. I just won't be vulnerable again. I, just, I will not forgive there. Listen, you're not hurting them. You're hurting you. Can I get a good amen? I read a story, true story about the English Civil War, about the middle of the 17th century, 1649 to be exact. Oliver Cromwell is leading a party of insurrectionists And they're trying to overthrow the British monarchy. King Charles I is in power. And so they devised this insurrection, this coup, true story. And and they did. They overthrew Charles I. And they actually actually were so uh, uh, upset at how he had ruled England that 59 people signed a death warrant, like an execution warrant, to go hunt down the king, Charles I, who they had deposed, and kill him. And they did. They executed Charles I. So this new Oliver Cromwell and this new party is in power. And it only lasted 11 years, 1649 to 1661, because, you know, that's the way elections go, you know, back and forth. Anyway, another message. So 11 years later, the Royalist Party comes back into power. And guess who's the king? Charles II. The English are very creative in their naming. So Charles II who's the son of the deposed, executed Charles I. Follow. Now the son 
is in power and he's thinking about the people who killed his father. True story. The first thing he did when he ascended to the throne is he found the 59 people that had signed the death warrant of his father. He had his henchmen go search all of the countryside, found all 59 of them. 15 of the 59 were dead. True story. He had their bodies dug up and exhumed. He put them on trial. 15 dead corpses on trial, found them guilty, and hung them in the gallows. Dead people. Now you talk about digging up the past. You know what I'm saying? Like that's digging up the past. You know what I mean? Now this sounds crazy, except I know people who lived their entire lives punishing something that died a long time ago because of the hurt and the pain that it caused you. And you've lived your life convicting and trying and executing the people who hurt and stole from you and took from you. And I can't believe this happened. And I'm just telling you, in all the love I can tell you, you need to get a, the Elsa spirit. Come on, somebody. You need to let it go. Come on, somebody. You, just, you need a Disney anointing on you to let it go. Look at your neighbor right in the eyes and say, let it go. Let it, I'm helping some of you married people that fought on the way to church. Let it go. Let it go. Look at the other person, your second choice. Tell them, let it go. Let it go. Why would you dig, that thing's dead. Why would you dig that up and retry that in your heart? Why would you allow that thing that's long gone to keep hurting you and offense to come to you? Why would you allow that unforgiveness to continue to taint your future? And now you've closed the door on destiny because of the past. And you've built a citadel around your heart that even God can't get to because of unforgiveness. The Bible calls it a root of bitterness. And it really is. You'll come to church and you'll trim the leaves. But there's a root that still hurt that you haven't gotten rid of. That even God can't reach in and pull out until you break down some walls. In your life. If anybody had a right to be upset and bitter. Offended. Hurt. It was Jesus. The brutality of the crucifixion. About 12 hours and 2 days. 5 things happened to Jesus. That gave him the right to be offended. The right to hold it against humanity. The right to spit in the face of his accusers. 5 things that may have happened to you. The first one's betrayal. Betrayal. Judas betrays him, a friend, somebody close. Maybe that's happened to you. It, it, it really doesn't hurt until it's somebody close, right? Strangers rarely hurt you. It's the people who are close that hurt. And he's betrayed, and, and, and Judas has now sold him out. And maybe you've lived in a, you feel like they, they left. They promised they wouldn't, and they betrayed me. And, and, then, and then it leads to false accusation. Jesus is falsely accused. Three Mickey Mouse trials over the course of 12 hours through the night. And he's falsely accused of things. And, and, and it's one thing to be accused of something you did. But I hate somebody that lies on me. I'm going to be real frank with you and real transparent. The last 18 months I, I've walked through. Well, this is what I heard pastor said. Well, this is what I heard pastor did. I can't believe he did that. It wasn't true. 
and, and the false accusations. He's standing there at these trials where they're hurling accusations against him. And nobody else is there. It's rejection. None of the disciples, 12 disciples he's been with, fed, performed miracles, walked on water. And none of them are at the trial. Talk about rejection. Maybe you felt that. They left. And I feel rejected. Somebody told me one time, it's, it's not personal. Look in my eyes. It's always personal to you. It's always personal. It's not personal, Pastor. We're just, no, 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 it's personal. It hurts. It feels like rejection. Maybe you walk through rejection in your life where they say, oh, it's, it's, it's not personal. We, we just decided to go a different direction uh, for this position. We just decided, I decided not to invest in this company. We just decided to let you go. And that rejection is now inside. Jesus goes through uh, not just rejection and, and accusations and betrayal, but horrific abuse. Abuse. They, they, they put a crown of thorn on his head. The blood is so thick in his eyes he cannot see and he doesn't even look human. And they're spitting on him. And, and because he can't see and blinded by blood, they say, if you're really God, just prophesy who it is. And maybe you know, maybe not physical, but you know the toll of emotional and verbal abuse. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And abuse comes and, and you hold it in. And ultimately it leads to what Jesus, sort of the end of, that, of those 12 hours leads to humiliation. And there are people, listen, there are people in church this weekend who are embarrassed about what happened to you. You embarrassed me when you left. You embarrassed me in front of my family when you sent that email. You... you, you you humiliated me in front of our friends. We said, I do, and you didn't. And I feel humiliated, belittled, hurt. Jesus goes through all of these same things, hung on a cross, naked, utter humiliation. Now, why would I tell you the pain of Jesus? Why would I tell you? Well, the first thing I tell you is that this Jesus, he's lived what you've lived. And if anyone has a right to be offended... It's Him. And I know, I'm not trying to mess with your theology. I know that Jesus did all of that for, to pay for our sins. We all agree. The cross was the, the sacrifice for my sins. But there's another reason why He lived through all of this. The first one, the, the biggest one, was to pay and atone for my sins. The second one is this. Hebrews 2 and 17 says it like this. This is why that He entered into every detail of human life. So that when He came before God as a high priest to get rid of all of my sins... He would have already, look at this, experienced it all himself. All of it. All the pain. All the testing. So that when you brought your betrayal, abuse, hurt, rejection, humiliation, when you brought that to God, he would be able to help when it was needed. Let me say it better this way. Nothing that you pray to God Nothing that you give him today. No pain, no hurt, no injustice. Nothing he will not understand. He's been where you are. Experienced it all. So that he's able to help where you are. I want you to learn this kind of forgiveness today. 
I want to teach you from God's Word how to walk in deliverance and forgiveness. As a matter of fact, in the next couple of weeks after summer blockbuster, I always like to kind of tell you where we're going. I'm going to spend the whole month of July. I've already, I've already got my preaching schedule the rest of the year. For all of y'all that thinks God doesn't speak early in advance, you know, He does. He tells me. I'm six months out. So <laughs> I know what I'm preaching in July. We're going to spend a whole month on the promises of God. We're going to talk about deliverance and how to walk in freedom. Come on, everybody. We're going to talk about what God's promised you. That the promises of God that you can take hold of in your life. And one of them is, and I'll preach it better in July, but I want you to walk in unforgiveness. Let me first, let me tell you, God, God wants to give you something that's going to be hard for you to receive. Let me say it better this way. You're not going to want to do what I'm telling you to do today. All right? Uh, it's like your trainer who says, this is going to help you. But it's going to hurt to begin with. Come on, everybody. All right? This is, this is ultimately going to help you if you'll eat these five little tiny granola bars made out of shoots and berries. And you don't eat anything else and only water. But ultimately, it's going to help you. Are you with me, everybody? If you'll, if you'll get on this treadmill, it's going to hurt. You're going to want to die. You may physically want to die on this treadmill. But it's going to help you in the long run. Are you with me? This, what I'm going to teach you today, it's going to hurt. But it's going to help you. It's going to help you. First Peter 4 and 1 says it like this. Since Christ suffered while he was in his body. Listen, I, this is suffering. But Jesus did it so you could strengthen yourself. I love this. In the same way of thinking that Christ had. Now wait a minute. I thought this was physical. I thought it was in his body. You know how Jesus overcame the cross? In his mind. So you think you're going to get it by some, I'll just muscle my way through hurt and muscle my way through pain and muscle my way. No, no, no. The Bible says I want you to find a different way to think about forgiveness. And if you'll find that, if you'll let Christ give you that, you'll be able to walk in freedom. First of all, let me tell you, let me tell you what forgiveness is not. I think we think about forgiveness in the wrong way. I think if 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 you're offended and hurt and in pain, you start thinking about forgiveness, uh, the wrong thing, and, and you'll think it means something it doesn't. Write these down. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of your offense. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we're minimizing what hurt you. It actually hurt you. I, I taught you this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, there is no such thing as your truth. I think we've, in, in American culture and kind of pop culture, we've substituted the word my experience for my truth. You don't get to have your own truth, but you do have your own experience. And it really did hurt. And forgiveness doesn't mean it didn't hurt. Can I get a better amen? Forgiveness is not minimizing it. Number two, forgiveness is not reconciliation. <laughs> right? Reconciliation takes both parties. Forgiveness just takes you. Let me say that again. For reconciliation means both of you decide we're going to come together and work on what happened. That may never happen for you, but that doesn't mean you cannot forgive. Right? It's not reconciliation. Number three, it's not doing what's fair. I'm, I'm telling you what forgiveness is not. It is not doing what's fair. You don't want to play the what's fair game with God. Because if you played the what's fair game with God, you and I would pay for our own sins in hell for eternity. Right? So let's don't go to God with, God, this is unfair. <laughs> right? You don't want to play. It's not about getting what's, it's never going to be fair to you. Here's the last thing I want you to hear about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not impossible. Now you may think, well, you don't know how bad it was. 
You don't know what the devil has convinced some of you. It is impossible to heal. And I'm telling you, in Jesus' name at the end of this series, you can be healed and whole and delivered and set free from offense and hurt and pain and walk in joy and deliverance and peace again. Shout yes to that. I can have that. You can have that. You can walk. Let me give you three ways. I'm going to give you three things you can do. Number one, you can pray for them. Now, you're going to think this is the, I told you it's a simple message. You're going to think this is the simplest. Pastor, you are really minimizing what's going on. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's, if prayer is anything, it is not minimizing. You're talking to the God who created everything. You're communicating with the God of all the universe. You're communicating with the great God of heaven, the highest God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're praying for them. Now listen to me. Matthew 5, 43 says, you've, you've heard love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm going to give you a different way, Jesus said. I want you to love your enemies. And I want you to pray for those, not, that, not just pray for those that, pray for those that persecute you. You pray for those that hurt you. I like to say it this way. I didn't put it on the screen, but write it in your notes. It's hard to hate someone you pray for. I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible to, to keep bitterness and if you're really praying for them. I tell couples all the time to come to my office. I only do marriage counseling once or twice. I don't, let me rephrase that. I don't do any counseling. I'm not a counselor. I'm, I'm a pastor. So I, I'm going to tell you what God's Word said, and then I'm going to refer you to some great Christian counseling because I got a counselor you need a counselor. I feel like Oprah. Everybody gets a counselor. <laughs> Say amen to that. They're smart people. You need to find a spirit-filled counselor, by the way. You need to find somebody that's going to point you to God. But you need to find somebody who can help you. All right? But I tell couples who come to my office that are struggling through this, once you pray together, and pray. I don't want to pray for that jerk. You hear what he just said? Do you know what she did? I don't want to pray. No, no, no. We're going to pray together. And I'm telling you, I've watched it. If I've watched it once a hundred times in my office of tears, there's something powerful that breaks in prayer. It allows you to release some stuff, to pray for them. Pray, God, I forgive them. God, I'm praying blessing on them. God, I'm pr prayer does two things. The first thing it does is change the situation. We, we have a member of our dream team, uh, I told the first service, who yesterday was in an extremely horrific car accident and could have been absolutely... Um, altering for their family. I mean, it was, it was horrific. And the moment, literally, the ambulance is still, the, the, the young woman is on the ambulance, and our prayer team goes into prayer. And I'm happy to report she has no internal bleeding, no brain trauma, none of that. It's all repairable. She's awake. She has her memory back. God's... And our team, it's why we ask you to fill out a prayer request. When I tell you we pray, I'm telling you, this is a praying church. Can I get a better Amen. So if you, you need God to do a miracle, listen, when you pray, God can fix it, all right? But here's the second thing. Here's the reason why prayer is important. Because prayer is, and some people get messed up about this. You pray so God would move, and, and you believe God. But prayer is also like you visiting the best counselor you've ever been to. You, you ever gone to a therapist or a counselor? You don't have to, don't raise your hands. Some of you aren't like, ugh. Ah. A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> laying on the couch with my counselor. Okay, not with my counselor. Laying on the <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> counselor, me. I go to a guy. Whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
You know what he does? He rarely talks. <laughs> he just wants me to pour my heart out. Now listen, listen to this. Watch this. Therapy at its core is really just you talking through what you probably, you'll probably land on the answer. Rarely does my therapist or my counselor get, give me like a, oh man, I never thought about that. Almost always it's just I'm pouring my heart out and I land on, ah, oh, that's, that's what I should do. Now listen, prayer is you laying on that couch, closing your eyes, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the counselor. I'm going to give you the counselor. Why did he call him counselor? Because when you pray, you pour your heart out to God. And God designed prayer like he did counseling. That the more I pour my heart out, it's amazing what happens. I end up landing on, okay, God, I feel better now. <laughs> now I can walk on in deliverance. Are you with me, everybody? Pray for them. Number two, bless them. Bless them. You can pray for them. You can bless them. Blessing is something that has to do with your mouth. Blessing has to do with your mouth. Uh, just like curse. We, we use the word curse words because it comes out of your mouth. Blessing is something you say, not something you do. Bless means to speak well of. I will not curse them. I will bless them. You know what happened to the, the relationship with your ex when you stopped calling her that word you've been calling her? You know what happened to the relationship with your child when you start talking about how dumb he is and I can't believe he and I can't believe they and that that's stupid and that... Are you with me, everybody? You're feeding the curse that you're living in. God, I feel this. You are, the, the, Bible, says, the Bible says the power of life and death are in your tongue. The power of the tongue. You are feeding the curse that you're living under. <laughs> and then complaining about the curse you're living under. You want, you, want to, you want to walk in forgiveness and deliverance and healing and not offense and not bitterness. You learn how to bless them. They're a great father. Our marriage didn't work, but they love our children. She's a great mom. They're, they're a good person. I'm going to bless them. God, bless them with a new job. God, give them what they need. He's a, he, he, he was an alcoholic, but he was a good provider. Are you with me, everybody? You, let, me tell you what, let me tell you what happened. You'll confuse the devil. <laughs> you will. Because the devil doesn't know your thoughts. The, the, I'm, this is good theology you need. The devil doesn't know your mind. That's... That's not in the Bible. That's bad theology. The devil is not all-knowing. Only God is. So all the devil knows is what you say out of your mouth hole. So if you'll fix what comes out of the hole in your face, you'll fix the hole in your heart. <laughs> you'll confuse the devil when he hears you say, God bless them. God forgive them. God, give them a better marriage. I know ours didn't work out, but God, that next marriage, God, would you just bless them? Give them, give them everything they need. The devil's going to say, what? What are you doing right now? Because I was keeping you in this, God, I was keeping you in this fortified city of offense as long as you would curse. But when blessing comes out, you start tearing down the walls. <sighs> Healing comes in. Here's the last thing. Pray for them and bless them and do good to them. Do good to them. Romans 12, 17 says, Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, leave at peace with everyone. 
Don't take revenge, my friends. Look at this. But leave room for God's wrath. This is interesting. Don't take offense, but leave God room. You know what that means? That means God and you both can't fit in the revenge category. If you take all the revenge, God goes, all right, I can't fit in there. But when you get out of the way and you go, okay, God, I'm not going to take revenge. God goes, okay, I'll deal with it. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, I've walked this out in my life. I hadn't always done it right, but I've walked out where I take my hands off of it and say, God, you deal with it. And God deals with it a whole lot better than I ever could. It's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, he says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me leave you with one more story. True story about a great evangelist of our time, Joyce Meyer. If you're not a fan of Joyce Meyer, you need to be. Wonderful woman of God. If you don't believe in women preachers, listen to her. You, you'll, you'll make you a believer. Powerful in her 70s now, still traveling, preaching the gospel. I heard her speak. A while back, she told the story of her childhood. I, I hope your children aren't in here. I'll try, I, I won't be graphic. but uh, Raised in an extremely dysfunctional home. Raped by her father over 200 times. She actually knew the exact number. She says she remembered every single one. Knew the number. Decades later, after she grows up, she becomes, you know, Joyce Meyer. You know, this international, global evangelist. And... And she's confronted with this principle of bitterness and unforgiveness. So she goes to her mom and dad. And, I mean, here she is, an adult, you know, an international evangelist. And, of course, he hasn't apologized. He hasn't, you know, he, maybe you know this kind of family where if we don't talk about it, it just goes away. Right? And so this is sort of what they've lived. True, true story. And God tells her to bless them. She's blessed financially. God tells him to bless them in retirement. So she gives them a massive monetary gift. And God doesn't stop there. Listen to her tell it. She tells it better than I do, obviously. But God told her to build them a house. (laughs) They were aging. Health is failing. God said, build them a house by your house. She has a big property. She built a house for the man who raped her on the same property. She tells the story that before he died, not not long after she built the house, he went to her, broken, repented, so sorry. She led him to Jesus, and she baptized him there. (laughs) And she said this, quote, And now I'm not sorry it happened anymore. It gave me the chance to experience what Jesus had experienced. Now I'm more thankful for his forgiveness. And I'm not sorry that it happened to me. Let me show you why. Because Matthew 10 and 8 says, Freely you have received, so freely give. So let me tell you why you need to walk in forgiveness. Because you've been forgiven of much. Because God didn't hold you accountable. Because God has forgiven you and shown you grace and mercy. Freely you have received. So you need to walk in forgiveness. Here's the last wisdom piece. I'll give you. Write this down. We'll pray. I know we're a little late. 
It's this. This is the last bit of wisdom from the master himself. The forgiven forgive. That's the wisdom I want you to walk in. The forgiven forgive. Lord Jesus. I know there are people in the room who have struggled with hurt and pain. Nobody moving but our team. I know there are hurt, hurts that are deep, a whole lot deeper than we're letting on. I know there are offenses that are real and pains that are debilitating, life-altering, some of them. I know there are people at church today who feel like they're justified in unforgiveness. I have a right to be this hurt. I have a right to be this bitter. I have a right to hold this to myself. And Jesus, you did too. You had been betrayed. Jesus, you had been abused, lied about, humiliated, rejected. You did all of that, and yet you called the cross the joy that's set before you. There had to be a way of thinking, Jesus, that we need right now in this room. So, I open up my heart. This is the part I can't pray for you, but I want you to pray with as much as you can muster from your soul. I want you to open a few rooms you've locked and let him in. The interesting thing about grace is it's like water. It immediately fills every crack and crevice. The moment you open your heart and say, God, here it is. Here's all that stuff. Immediately, grace will wash over. It'll, it'll, it'll help and it'll soothe. The Bible calls it a balm, a salve that'll soothe your soul. Father, I give you, I break down the walls that I've built around my offense. I, I need the wisdom that I've been forgiven. God, you forgave me so much, honestly. I, I'm, I'm the most forgiven person in the room how could I hold this offense how could I hold this hurt so as you've given me grace I give grace you don't have to say it out loud but would you whisper the name would you whisper the offense God I pray for them I pray for mom I pray for my dad I pray for my grand I pray for my ex I pray for my business partner I pray for that person at work I pray for that grandparent I pray for that hurt that broken heart that that high school sweetheart that left I, 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 I pray for them I bless them I give it to you I give you this hurt that I experienced I give you this pain it may be the the Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you it may not be an ex it may be the person you're sitting next to I forgive them I release them of the offense. I release them of the bitterness, the pain. It's not killing them, it's killing me. God, I open the doors. Come on, when you do that, I, I know you feel it, I feel it. Grace rushes in. Grace rushes in and, and, starts, and starts healing in a moment what you've held on to for a decade. Time doesn't heal. Only God can do that. Grace to you. Grace to you. Grace in the hurt parts. Grace in the bitterness. Come on, walk and forget. Don't hold on to 2020 anymore. Don't hold on to the last decade, the last 20 years. Don't hold on to it another day. I will not carry. Don't, don't pass it to your children. I beg you, don't raise bitter children. 
don't let it let it stop with you. It stops with us. The offended stops with us. The hurt stops with me. Come on, raise your hands, extend them toward heaven, receive this, Father. I pray for healing and grace over every person in church today. Holy Spirit, be the counselor I know you to be. Be that counselor that as I pray and I confess and I give all this to you, that God, you do supernaturally what I could not ever do in the natural. I tried, I, I turned everywhere, read every book, went to every, but God, you're healing some stuff I've never been able to get healing from. And I'm going to walk in deliverance. Come on, say that. I'm going to walk in healing. Today's a new day. It's a new day with my spouse that's in church, with my children I haven't talked to, with my parents I haven't forgiven. I'm going to go by the, I'm gonna go by the graveyard and just and, and look at that tombstone and tell them, I, I want you to know, I, I, I forgive you. It's over. I will not be held captive another day. God, I'm tearing down the walls so you can speak to me. Lead me. Be my Lord. Be my counselor. I forgive them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit City Hills TX dot com right now and if this message blessed you why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials i pray it's a blessing to others in your world thanks again for listening today god bless you